Hi, everyone. This is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is in fact a member of the DLF family of podcasts. This is the second part of my conversation with Tom Kisslingberry, who's also a writer and content creator over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. In our conversation, we were mostly talking about running backs and how to prospect for running backs in the offseason, looking forward to the 2020 season. Um, towards the end of the conversation, we started talking about wide receivers, so I just decided to cut that out and leave it for yet another part. Um, hope you enjoy it. If you do, let me know at PA Howdy on Twitter or in an iTunes or whatever podcast app you're listening to a review on there would really help us out and really appreciate it so thanks very much for checking us out and i hope you enjoy my conversation with tom i certainly did thanks very much no i I think that's definitely like the draft and landing spot is key for everyone but um it's really important for running backs based on no you know what we're seeing and what we're saying um and that that's why i'm wondering about this wide receiver renaissance because they've been down a little bit especially top 12 Mm. wide receivers lately um, and there's no Dalvin Cook from last year's class. And we're hunting these younger guys in the sophomore year or the rookie season because that's where you get most of your running back production for. That's the other thing that Derek Henry, who you mentioned, is an outlier too. He's doing it well past or a little bit past where you really expect to see his peak production, which is fine. Again, outliers happen to everything. Unexpected things happen. I and mean, that's what we're trying to look for right now, which is what makes me interested in Darius Geis because he's not from last year's class. He's not a rookie but there's also a little bit unusual nature to his profile while he's been injured. And if someone like Ethan Turner thinks his injury isn't as much of a concern as I was initially assuming, that makes him interesting. But I don't see anyone from last year's class that really profiles like that unexpected thing that happens from last year's class. And so this year's running back class. class doesn't profile as high ceiling. So that makes me start to think about the wide receiver sorry you were saying one player no I, we should apologize to anybody listening as well we've got time delay thing going <laughs> we're on terrible we're, <laughs> although we both sound the same we're on the other side of the atlantic so a bit freaky um technology you know i just looked up darius geiss's age he's only 22 um so i'm gonna ask you yeah. a question in a second but first the one player i look at and and think I think there's a decent chance he could take a, a really good step forward in year two. And Josh Jacobs absolutely could do, but he'll need, we've talked about that. Miles Sanders, I mostly agree with you, but I, I just think the Eagles use such a deep committee. I don't really believe in any one guy. But we I haven't really, really hate coaching very... narratives, man. It, it's true. I just really <laughs> hate coaching narratives. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's really ingrained there. Right, well, we can fight about that. The one back we haven't <laughs> talked about a lot is Devin Singletary in Buffalo. Um, so I, I, world, I think you could end up with a really nice share of that. The problem is it's Buffalo, right? And I don't know about you, I just don't believe in an offense powered by Josh Allen. No, I, I definitely don't. Like, I've been seeing a lot of, you know, Devin Singletary is a guy no one's talking about tweets, which is weird because I'm seeing a lot of people say that no one's saying it. Like, I was really <laughs> underwhelmed by his profile in college. I was really underwhelmed with how he performed in 2019. For me, I don't understand where the ceiling is coming from, uh, from... 
but I mean, yeah, sure. Maybe someone like that from next year. Maybe that's something unexpected that happens that I'm not expecting. Yeah, I get it. But um, he graded out well in my new running back model. He had 8% receiving yards in college, though. Like, I don't see that high ceiling. Maybe a top 24. And that would be significant value from where he's been. I think he's being valued from right now. But, like, Travion Williams from last year's class. Like, I like both of the running backs that got stuck behind Joe Mixon in the draft last year. That's a weird thing. Like, the guys I would normally be a little more interested in from last year's class, like, didn't get on the field because they were... They they both went to <laughs> they both went to um Cincinnati, so like they're barely worth fourth round picks or waiver wire pickups right now. Um, weirdly, yeah. um, this is where the so, volume comes yeah, from, that's... right? We've talked about this a little. Yeah, like Rodney Anderson was the other guy. If he can ever be healthy, then goddamn health. That makes so much more sense to look at it that way. I'm so addicted to profiling. Um. Uh, and prospect evaluation. I was talking about this with uh, Jared on last week's episode, mm. which is actually this week for us, by the way. But um, like, like I hold on to it for way too long because it's it saved me enough times that I don't want to give up on it for the times that it hasn't worked out. If you know what I mean, um, like profiling the Green Bay running backs last uh, wide receivers last year. It's like I held on to their rookie profiles, and so I didn't fall for any of it. Now they were cheap prices, so anyone out there like what it was i didn't spend anything on them yeah i get it but it meant i didn't have to take up roster spots it, it, it like i think it so often gives me a better view of what might happen that i hold on for it for too long running backs as we're saying is a little bit of a different ball game where it's a coach's decision so yeah maybe a single terror just gets thrown out there so much because josh allen i think is due for a fall off um in terms yeah. of fantasy or totally what he can agree. do for an offense like maybe they just like just just keep running single Terry, and that's how you get someone exponentially more valuable in fantasy because of his rushing role than his receiving role. So that could happen. And um, I know a lot of smart people and good fantasy players um, really like single Terry. I just I'm not seeing it personally. Well, he's uh, at the moment his ADP according to DLF is is 19th. So if you sort of value him as a low end RB two. I get that. I, I'm, I think he, he might be able to finish a bit higher than that, but he certainly doesn't look like a top 12 guy for me as well. He's not likely to score a huge amount of touchdowns. Um, and you're right, although he's got a decent ratio of sort of rushing to receiving use, he's still got a fairly low number of receptions just because it's Buffalo and it's Josh Allen and they're not going right. to produce that many uh, running back receptions over the year. They won't. Um. Uh, yeah, it's where I think I think top twenty four is Singletary ceiling, and I'm always in the sell top twenty four running backs if that's where they're valued. Kind of that's a general dynasty philosophy I sell because you don't want top twenty four running backs. We want top twenty four running backs. Don't get me wrong, but they don't win you your season. It's great value if you can find a top twenty four running backs. You got to have them, but you're looking for two top twelve guys, and someone like Singletary just looks to me like he's being valued where his likely middle top 75th percentile, if I want to get really weird about it, um, projection is. Like, I think he could finish running back 19. I think there's significant floor below that, and I don't think there's much ceiling above that, and especially when you build in team projection like you're doing with um, 
Buffalo there. Like, I just, but yeah, I just can't, you know, uh, not me. Um, but, uh, talking about selling, um, I, I think you're really interesting talking about selling there, right? Because um, he, he's only 22. He's fairly young. But right. uh, what we do is generally think running backs um, hang around longer than they do. So you talked about Derek Henry earlier, and I agree with past his peak. For me, the way I've calculated it and looked through numbers, and, and tell me if you find something different, peak production running back age is 25 in the NFL. If you're 25, you are an old back, which sounds absolutely ridiculous, but but that's what it is. So you look at all those guys ahead of Singletary, and, and this is why I like selling high running backs, because you're, you're paying for last year's production. You look at somebody like Dalvin Cook, you mentioned him before, or Zeke Elliott, or Aaron Jones, Derek Henry. They're all 24, 25. They've got a lot of tread on their tires. And honestly, maybe not this year, but in two years' time, you're probably looking at those guys and going, they're on the down the slope of, of their career that is likely to happen although it's depressing now Leonard Fournay has just come off a, a healthy season with a load of volume that was probably going to go down as his best career um, or best season of his career I wouldn't be surprised at all so getting off the running backs um early is a very good move for me yeah um it's one of those rules that we all know but it can be misused enough that um, sometimes we lose faith in it, but you just have to value age a little bit more. And I hate that because I'm normally, I'm naturally someone, I don't know why I'm like this, but I naturally want to disagree with established wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) It's like why I'm uncomfortable when things look, come out as we expected. I'm like, "Ah, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you just, running back peak production comes earlier. Their cliff comes sooner. And it's not that there aren't exceptions to it. You just kind of have to accept this idea that running backs, like if they don't show up really well in their first year, that's almost their ceiling. (laughs) Their second year, third year, and already you're looking at, oh God, this guy's too old to sell. Like I got a lot of Devontae Freeman right now and he's done nothing wrong, but rightly no one really wants him. So I end up with him because the expectation just has a drop off at this point. He's looking at a new team. Like this is what happens with running backs. There are a few exceptions where we're hunting Barkley and CMC, but even those guys, like you were saying, they're younger um, and they're on their original team. They're on their original contract. It's just kind of the way it works. Um, So again, we start looking for what's less likely. Um, I I was actually... Mm -hmm. Uh, vamping there. I was just looking at my red zone database because <laughs> I was wondering about the value of work. Um, and I was just trying, I just managed to finally go through it and add team to it because um, sports football reference doesn't give you team when you look up stats the way I do f- to create the red zone database. But mm-hmm. I finally did it so I can like tell you who had the most usage um, per team, per percentage. Um, and I added career and a whole bunch of stuff. But like Josh Cajun's had 36% of the touch touches just all the touches in the red zone for the oakland raiders like last year and i know there'll be the las vegas somethings next year but like that's also more worrying to me he was slightly inefficient so you can predict him to be a little more successful in the red zone last year slightly but also do we really expect the team just to keep throwing every red zone touch at him david montgomery similar he had 29 percent of the team's touches in the red zone last year and Miles Sanders had 24 Aaron Jones, like I'd have to take out career year here. Because the point about Aaron Jones, right? I'm a touchdown yeah, rate is extremely hard to predict. Uh, it, it just varies so much because so many things happen that go into scoring a touchdown that are not under the running back's control in any way. So you look at someone like Aaron Jones and Derek Henry, who had ridiculous uh, numbers of touchdowns, and you go, 
it's just really, really unlikely they're going to do that again. And if you take away five or six touchdowns, you know, a significant portion of their fantasy production. So easy sell for me. Yeah, he had 33% of the team's red zone touches in the receiving yeah. and rushing game. But the thing about Aaron Jones is the point of this database, or oh, this, I hate using the word database, it's to do an expected <laughs> points model on those touches. And Aaron Jones yeah. was like, how many touchdowns is 27 points? Because that's how many points he got that he shouldn't have got, basically yeah. based on expected touches. Like that's the thing about Aaron Jones. He was just really efficient in the red zone. And you should expect that efficiency to drop down. And like you're saying, where he's already getting a lot of the touches, like he can't almost get more touches. He can't accommodate that by getting more volume, unless the team is just incredibly successful at getting into the red zone next year, which, again, is another feature of touches. Um, it's possible, but he, he's going, uh, again, on DLF. His ADP at the moment is running back eight, just after right. Nick Chubb and, and just before Derrick Henry. And that is a massive red flag for me, because you look at him and go, he's 25, um, he, he got through last year pretty healthy. I think he was totally healthy, and he scored a lot of touchdowns. All of those things are red flags. So no, I, I don't want to be. I don't want to be paying that. He's not good because he was very good. That's that's unlike I've been on the Aaron Jones truth of train for a while here. People back when he was a lowly fourth round draft pick below uh, Jamal Williams. Um, so it's not that I'm not excited about him or don't think he doesn't deserve the top 12 ADP. It's just like that's when you would sell if there weren't concerns. Yes. Because he's kind of hit peak value even if he reproduces that because the time next offseason rolls around, everyone's going to be Devontae Freeman, Freemaning him where he's just, oh, mm-hmm. he's old now. I'm done. Um, so, yeah, I love Aaron Jones. And if you can get him at a discount, sure. You get everyone. if You, you trade for anyone if you can get good value on them, yeah. frankly. Um, but anywhere near his value right now is probably probably rough. So who, like, I've been really struggling with this. So maybe this is a good way of framing the stuff we're talking about, from sophomores to guys to Jones. Who are we targeting at running back? If you're looking for someone to add to your team this year, because they might have, we might not be expecting something that could happen, which would create a massive amount of volume. Uh, is it just Devin Singletary? It's not for me. I think I, we said not for Devin Singletary, right? <laughs> yeah, probably not buying him, but yeah, I'm really happy if I've got him. I, I, this is a really interesting question because I think you and me have different philosophies on, on this. You were saying earlier you don't really like RB2s. I love RB2s. I love RB3s because basically, although I'm I'm confident with my ability to mostly predict running backs, I know that there are going to be a handful of exceptions every year. That always happens. And, and mostly those uh, exceptions are people that score a lot of touchdowns just happen to happen um and people who stay healthy all year long so a lot of those guys who are down in you know 18 to 30 something like that one of those guys who nobody likes at the moment is going to play 16 games uh, next year and he only played 11 last year and he's going to have an extra two or three touchdowns and we expect and he's going to absolutely rake scoring so um, who are we looking down there marlon mack I quite like Marlon Mack. Maybe they'll come up with a, a decent quarterback and that will just create a load of extra scoring for him. Um, we talked about Philip Lindsay. Um, I'm not a great lover of Philip Lindsay, but he's going quite cheap there at the moment. He's certainly the, the more valuable of those two backs in Denver. Um, and then he's got some interesting people around there. I'm not a Ronald Jones fan at all, but then you've got Tariq Cohen and James White who are down at 37, 38. And I think those guys are interesting. Certainly Tariq Cohen, he's still only 24. He's got a very strong role. Receiving is is more interesting. Um, he could easily outperform that ADP. Now, I don't think Tariq Cohen is going to be a top eight running back. I, it's not going to happen. But could he 
produce much better than he's ranked down there. Yeah, absolutely. I think he could. Uh, Sony Michelle down at 39. That is crazy. I'd love to have Sony Michelle. So the Patriots were terrible last year. It just didn't <laughs> happen. But I'm I'm expecting them to be better next year. And and so Sony Michelle is the lead early down running back on what is probably going to go back to being one of let's say the eight best offenses in the league. Um, that's a really valuable role if Tom Brady comes back, maybe. But um, or, yeah, no, or or they get Marcus Mariota and turn him into something good, or who knows what because he's good. Be damn it, no evil um, plan. <laughs> no, I, I think that's that's a really good clarification. Like I love running back twos. I end up with like my best running backs are almost always running back twos or Austin Eckler, <laughs> who should be running back two and just did really well yeah. last year. Um, but I don't like paying running back two for running back two. Cause we're, we value running backs so highly that it, that it usually works out. It, it can't win you <laughs> a league. If you're getting running back two value from a running back two cost, then you, you just stay in the nice happy middle. And it's too easy. Like the players you just listed off, plenty of them are valued below running back 24. And when I, I actually did wrote an article about ADP and expectation going from year to year for DLF. And running back two is the position where more players unexpectedly enter that category ADP the following year. And so you can get more running back twos outside the top 24 running backs and you can get wide receivers outside the top 24 or tight ends outside the top 12 or quarterbacks outside the top 12, if you see what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So you're more likely to get players that we didn't expect based on ADP to be top 24 outside the top 24, which means that's where your running back two value comes from. You know, it's getting Austin Eckler last year. It's getting some of the names you just listed, like a Sony Michelle or... Um, Darius Geis, maybe all of them are outside the top 24 and we're more likely to see some of those players jump into the top 24 the next year. So those are the running back twos that I want. Um, outside of that, if I'm trading for a player with top 24 value at the running back position, I need them to have that top 12 ceiling because that's where it's worth it. But someone like Singletary, someone like Montgomery, someone like Jacobs and yeah, someone like Sanders, they kind of limited inside that top 24, and they really don't have that top 12 season. If I'm honest, truly honest with myself, all of them could do it, but they don't seem to have that likely ceiling, and so they're not the values I want to pay for. Um, so it goes back to the question, and you just listed off a whole bunch of names, so uh, like that, that answers that, I guess, of who outside the top 24 <laughs> do you like? And I do like a lot of the names you listed. Sony Michelle is a good one that I normally don't go for. Like once I've been, once I've you know, fully whiffed on a call, like uh, Sony Michelle top twelve running back last year, and um, like it's just arrogantly hard for me to go back in on them. You know, um, yeah. I have too much trauma uh, essentially. But um, I do like some of these players from last year's class because I think they have top 24 upside if I can get them below that value. No, I, I really like what you're saying there because you listed a couple of guys who who could have a really good role if someone gets injured. And and this is one of those weird cultural things where you're not allowed to talk about you know benefits of if someone gets injured because <laughs> right. quite often our American chum see us as hoping for injury or something like that. But the, the people you people mentioned there, Alexander cold. Matterson... <laughs> yeah, we're, we're fine with it. That's where the value is going to come from. So those guys that shoot up are, are probably going to be based in the in the people that don't have a big role at the moment. And someone gets hurt and someone misses 10 games. And then Tony Pollard or Alexander Matteson or Raquel Armstead could all shoot up um, a long, long way. Um, and we 
hope it doesn't happen, obviously, and we certainly can't predict it. You can't predict injuries. Um, but you can you can have a pretty good idea that backs who are used an awful lot are probably going to get hurt. Yeah, I, I think we've lifted the running back. Like, I really want there to be a running back I'm heavily targeting. But while I'm trying to send out trades, uh, like, I can't find them. It's, it's, it's the people you know about. It's the ones we've listed. These sophomore running backs that didn't get on the field or the ones that did get on the field and showed out well, but we need an injury. Or... You know, I still have some distant love for those Cincinnati backups that I that I like. Before I move on here, what do you think of Joe Mixon? So I, I really like for Mixon, um, but I I am slightly a non-believer in in his third down and his receiving upside. Uh, again, as we spoke about, so um, last year he had a combined three hundred and twenty-four uh, passes and rushes, and only forty-five of those were targets. He is a low-targeted player. On the other hand, Giovanni Bernard had under a hundred combined because you know, great example, Cincinnati could not sustain um, drives, so they just weren't using him very much. Um, and he had basically the same number of targets as Joe Mixon. So if the Bengals somehow got good, and who knows, maybe a rookie quarterback will do that for them. I expect Giovanni Bernard's role to get much bigger and Joe Mixon's to pretty much stay the same. Um, so I, I think he is a little bit capped. And again, given that we've we've got a low expectation for touchdown uh, rates for the Bengals, and who knows, maybe that changes and it's fairly hard <laughs> to predict. So yeah, I could be wildly wrong there. That's, that's something that definitely will change. Um, I, I could see him being a top 12 back. He'll probably probably be there or thereabouts in terms of volume. But I, I can also see Joe Mixon falling flat on his face as well and being really bad by. I, I don't think he's a bad player. I don't like his situation, and that's more important for me. Yeah, um, this is one of the times that holding on to rookie profiles hurts because Joe Mixon had like a 30% of his total yards was in the receiving game. Yep. So I was really high on him in his rookie season um he really came on towards the end of that season but i've been holding love in my heart for giovanni bernard for so long now i can't give up he's on it. so good he's not going anywhere he is an amazing player i don't care what anyone says okay. i'm gonna defend him till i die <laughs> so it's not like i can say like they're gonna cannibalize each other at best but i think you're also right like if we're looking for a guy with top 12 upside joe mixon's one of those guys i think joe is too but it's never gonna happen so so I'm backing off slightly on that. I have Giovanni Bernard, I think, on every team everywhere. I just love that guy. Um, I've got a lot of him as well. Big fan of Bernard. Um, but it, it it's not that Joe Mixon can't catch, right? And this is where the he can catch a crowd will come up. He can catch. Yeah, I know that. Joe Mixon's a pretty good receiver, but he's on a team with an exceptional receiving back. Um, and you yeah. know, coaches are pretty clever. They'll go, I'm sort of looking at this third down uh, and long play, and I really need to have my running back come out and run a wheel route, and it's probably going to be my first read based on yada, yada, yada. Um, who do I want out there? The guy that, that's sort of okay, that, that is pretty good at that, or the guy who's really good at it? That's the thing, though. Like, Gio's also a really good rusher, but anyway. Um, yeah, and Joe Mixon's a little bit better, I think, than just a good receiver. Like, I think he's... He's not Geo level, all right, people. But um, Giovanni is exceptionally talented at it. Um, but I, I think Joe Mixon could seriously be a twenty percent um, risk targeting 
20% market share target running bank like Barclay or like CMC. But as long as you've got Geo hanging off of you and the other backups behind them, I've already mentioned as guys who had a slightly outside receiving laurel. I like I like those guys too. Since you just buy Cincinnati backup running backs and hope they draft Joe Burrow. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> um, is there anyone else from this sophomore class that you want to talk about? Like I've got wide receivers pulled up, but we've been talking about running backs for so long. I don't know if we can add another subject in and still, you know, make this a single episode. <laughs> but okay. yeah, we're probably going to run out of time. I, I want to ask you a question, actually. Um, sure. I want your opinion on a really interesting back, uh, Darrell Henderson. So he was, what, third running back um, drafted last year? And it, it shocked me. Don't know about you. It, the Rams also shocked me. I, I expect them to be not as good as 2018, but they were a long way not as good. They they targeted their running backs the lowest amount in the whole league uh, last year. Were you ever on the Darrell Henderson um, train? Or were you shocked? I, I'm uh, Yeah, I was on the Darrell Henderson train. And I just kept getting fuel added to it. Like when Scott Barrett comes out and likes him, I'm like, yeah. yeah. Um, he profiled as the best running back pre-draft <laughs> um, for me. And that clearly wasn't going to happen. Because um, like I said, I, I put Jacobs one and Sanders two and Montgomery three. So I, I got it right. But like, I really like Daryl Henderson and all the ancillary numbers were kind of supporting that. Um, based on this expected points model, he comes out running back eight. Um, he's projected for running back two volume. We know that's not going to happen because he's behind Gurley, although Gurley can, if we're looking for injuries or players, teams to move on from players could happen. I don't think so. I think Gurley's been tanked a little early um, in dynasty value, to be honest. So I still like Henderson, but you just, I, w- I was surprised so many people went with me on it. <laughs> so many, uh, so many takes had to Henderson, like as he's going to be up with these top three, like based on where he was drafted and to the team he was drafted to, it's not going to happen with all the disappointment in Henderson. He's probably a pretty interesting trade target. Like he got decent volume last year for mm. again, where Gurley was on and off the field, but I really appreciate your analysis because it's something I, I do not do well. It's respecting teams opinions and also what they do. Like I have to, intentionally add it in or i forget to whereas yours seems to focus on the fact that these are the teams and the the coaches are watching them in practice they know more than i do and you really seem to start off from that point whereas i have to add it in later because i'm such an arrogant ass really (laughs) (laughs) that i forget that these people know more than i do and so the fact that they target their running back less last year is actually a worrying sign because it's not a girly problem like we're just talking about geo and um uh, uh, Mixon, like coaches mostly aren't stupid and if Henderson was really showing out well in practice and everything else then the girly problem would have been supplanted with a split problem and Henderson would have got more of a role and he didn't so I'm less convinced on Henderson than I was this time last year but based on his dynasty value right now I don't think he's don't think he's a bad flyer any worse than Justice Hill or um, Reco Armstrong I've got him in that tier right now yeah, I, I think it mostly makes sense. And uh, Gurley's a really interesting guy, right? Because uh, we've been talking about all these things that are red flags for running backs, you know, injury, getting old, being on a team that's not as good. And and a lot of those are Gurley flags. However, I know that everyone thinks he, he didn't play loads and he was in and out of the team and all this sort of stuff. He played the fourth most snaps of all running backs in the NFL last year. The only people to play more than him were Christian McCaffrey, Zeke Elliott and Leonard Fournette, who were, you know, the only three bell cow backs in the league. Uh, the way I calculate it. So 
I, I do agree with you that people got out a little bit too early on Gurley. Um, I'm a poet. I didn't even know it. So I, I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if, if he has one more good year. But I'm also looking at looking at those red flags and going, he could easily fall off a cliff next year as well. I just don't know what to do with Todd Gurley. And basically, anyone that had him during his glory years is holding on to him and, and doesn't want to get rid of him. Anyone that hasn't, you can't buy him now anyway. Um, but I, I'm still a believer in Henderson because I, I think he could have a massive jump up this year. Yeah, and the other girly problem is where the age concern or the early production concern is so very real for running backs. Like ordinarily, if if this was a wide receiver situation, I'm all in on girly. People are tanking him too early, but there's a very real career arc going on with running back that you kind of have to add into on top of it. And that's like I'd want to trade for girly, but like even if there wasn't all of this noise around him, we're still kind of seeing the downside anyway pretty soon yeah typically um and again like second contract narratives for running backs tend to not work out like running backs that are good early in the career still good late in the career you're just getting running back two numbers if anything instead of running back one numbers so they're still valuable so you can still trade for them at value which is where Gurley might come in um and henderson like i'm really disappointed he wasn't able to take more but like you said, mm-hmm. Gurley was on the field a lot. And the thing about snaps is it's not predictive of points or not as predictive as points. So when we profile running back through snaps, like you were doing, it's about whether they're on the field. This is really a team thing. The team shifted its usage, and we kind of have to listen to it. It's not yep. going to be fueled by running backs the way it was, even though we had three top 24 wide receivers nearly from the Rams that one year. They were being fueled through running back usage. And it's just dropped off. They've just stopped doing it. So we kind of have to, you know, learning from Tom Kisslingberry himself, respect what the team's doing and expect them to keep doing it. Is there anyone else? In fact, there are an awful lot of people left that we apparently want to keep talking about. So I'm going to extend this to a three-parter, at least. Hope you enjoyed the second part of our conversation. And I will see you again in part three when we start talking more about wide receivers going into 2020 and sophomore wide receivers from last year's class perhaps some uh, underrated values based on what they did in their rookie seasons. All right. Thanks very much. And I will talk to you again next time. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so... Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.